You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, here's the two words. Put on. Put on. Everything else hinges on this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What he's saying is, I'm about to deliver unto you all of the things that God has provided, that God has fashioned, that God has prepared for you to adorn to be successful in battle. What a great promise that is. We're not just commanded to go forth into battle, but we are promised victory if we'll put on what God has provided for us. Now, you would think that that would be an easy decision to make, but we've got to be honest, the way that we are, just the way that we are uh, wired, I guess you would say, in our flesh, sometimes no doubt, we buck at that command. Because in order for me to put on something that I don't already have on, I have to acknowledge that I don't have something that I need. That there's something out there that is more adequate than what I already have. That there's something there more effective than what I already have. And in order to do that, I have to take off whatever it is I might have on so that I can be adorned in that which is better to go into battle with. I think more Christians probably fail in spiritual warfare, not because of the enemy on the outside, but that enemy on the inside that refuses to bow itself and admit that I might need to put on God's armor and not do this on my own. For a little while, I want to talk to you on this thought. You're not ready to stand until you're willing to bow. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help, please. I pray that you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus made a powerful statement in John 12, 24. In that scripture, he's teaching his disciples about the power of dying to self. And he's teaching us about the, the fruitfulness that comes from living a humble life. And he painted a picture for their imagination by referring to a grain of wheat. Here's what the verse says. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The illustration is this, that little grain of wheat is packed with powerful potential. But that potential is not released until that little corn of wheat is buried beneath the soil. And what he's saying is, if it ever hopes to be fruitful, it must be willing to die. I want to make the statement again, more Christians, I believe, have fallen on the spiritual battlefield because of pride and false assurance in their self than anything else. Our danger is not having a battle to engage in, but the danger is thinking that we can engage in this battle with even the smallest measure of ourself still in control. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, a younger man, and he said, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Today our primary enemy is not the devil. The primary enemy that I battle and you battle is my own pride. And before we engage with the adversary that lurks without, we have to overcome the adversary that dwells within. 
Often the battle is not lost on the battlefield. The battle is lost before we get to the battlefield. And if we have any hope of standing against the devil, we have to be willing first to bow before our Lord. What I mean by that is we have to lay ourselves on the altar. We have to empty ourselves of self. We have to be willing to live a crucified life. We need to do more than walk on the battlefield. We have to crawl on the battlefield. More than just standing, we need to get on the altar and die to self. Romans 12, 1, that's why Paul said, I beseech you, and I'm begging you that you do this, brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He said, there is no hope for you to withstand and stand until you're first willing to die to yourself. Our example on this is Jesus Christ, just like in everything else. And you study the Lord and see how he battled against the evil one, and here's how he won his battle. Christ won his battle with the devil on his knees. Christ won his battle with the devil by humbling himself. Christ won his battle by obedience. And if he is our example, then we should follow in his footsteps. But let me say this, in my life, and I'll just say it in your life, is it not true that often we do not follow that same example? Consider it with me. Christ took the lowest seat. We want the highest seat. Christ became flesh for us. We want to try to be God in our own life. Christ became poor for us. We're not satisfied unless we get a little bit more. Christ was wrong, yet he forgave. We are wrong, and usually we will not forgive. And there's something in us that fools us into believing that somehow we are sufficient without the Lord. We think we can get by on our own ability. We think we can make it with our own intellect. We think that we can make it by our own achievement. We enjoy our own appearance and pride ourselves on our own successes. And that might be adequate enough when you deal with man. Man to man, that might be adequate enough. But can I say that is not even close to being adequate enough when you engage in spiritual warfare. Across from not on the battlefield is the devil. And the devil is more powerful than you. And he's more powerful than me. And he does not tremble at your intellect. He is not worried about your ability. He does not fear your successes. We must have something more than ourselves to engage this enemy. In fact, I believe the devil delights in a Christian that walks out onto the battlefield wrapped up in his own armor. By that I mean he's wrapped in his own self-will. He's wrapped in his own strength. He's wrapped in his own mind. And he's wrapped in his own pride. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah said this in chapter 9, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not, let, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You remember that old nursery rhyme song? I remember singing it when Lincoln was younger, maybe you sing it at your home, but eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You all know that? Brother Martinez, no, don't do that real. But you, you remember eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and it says, catch a tiger by its toe. I mean, it's a silly song to think about. But imagine that in your mind, the picture of that, a little child going out into the jungle, and then there's a tiger towering over it, much more powerful, much stronger than he, but that child reaches out, grabs that tiger by the toe, and that tiger hollers in pain, I like that's a country word. He hollers, and so he lets him go, and any, meeny, miny, mo. I mean, think about it. In reality, can I say that is crazy? There is no way you're going to send a child out into a jungle and say, now listen, you be a good boy and catch a tiger by his toe, and when he says, ouch, let him go. 
But how much more foolish it is for a Christian to think that we can walk out onto the battlefield of life and engage the devil called a roaring lion that seeks to be made of our and think that we can tackle the devil in our own ability. That child would not catch that tiger by the toe. That tiger would have that child in his teeth. And the same thing is true for the child of God wrapped in his own armor. If we want to be victorious, we cannot battle the devil on our own. We don't walk out. We don't strut out. We don't parade out. We got to crawl out in humility knowing that we need the Lord. Jeremiah 5.10 says this, Take away her battlements for they are not the Lord's. He's saying that city's guarded, but not by my means. That's their own idea. It's their own agenda. And none of that will protect them. Get it out of the way. You know that song we sing at invitation time, All to Jesus I Surrender? That would be more than a salvation song. And that ought to be more than simply a serving song. That ought to be a spiritual warfare song. David said it to Saul. He said, hey, I can't go with your armor. I've not proved them. So the analogy again is this, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's what happened in Gideon's life. Gideon had 32,000 soldiers. That's too many. God said, you know what? You're going to trust in your own might. You're going to trust in your own power. You're not going to put on the whole armor of God. So he said, Gideon, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to strip some things away from you so that you can actually win the battle. And he whittled his army down from 32,000 to simply 300. And that's how it is with you and I. Until you're willing to de Increase and let the Lord increase in your life, you and I are not ready for spiritual warfare. In Luke 9 and verse 23, the Bible said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And before you and I pick up a sword or pick up a shield or pick up a helmet, you better be willing to pick up your cross. Here's what I'm saying tonight. You've got to be willing to lower the flag on your flagpole. Take your own flag down and then lift the standard of the Lord high above your life. Deny self. Defer to Jesus. Die to your own sufficiency. Drop your self-confidence. Pick up a cross. Spiritual warfare calls for crucifying soldiers. Spiritual warfare demands soldiers dead to self. Spiritual warfare takes more than you and I being on assignment. We need to be on the altar. I thought about that in Job chapter number 1, why Job got in the ashes. You know what Job did? He went back to a previous spot of worship. Job was often at the altar, but when Job got involved in spiritual warfare, he made sure he was on the altar. And let me say that's the same in my life and in yours. If we're going to combat spiritual wickedness in high places, we have to be willing to be on the altar. You can't do it in your own armor. Samson found out, I can't win this battle in my own armor. David found it out, I cannot win this battle in my own armor. Peter found it out. I cannot win this battle in my own armor. John the Baptist found it out. I cannot win this battle in my own armor. R.A. Torrey made the statement, I believe more promising Christians have gone to the rocks through self-sufficiency than any other cause. I believe it. the devil has slain thousands, but pride has slain ten thousands. Luke eleven fourteen: for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I was reading for this message, and I read an illustration about a, gen a general during the Civil War for the Union Army. And he went to go inspect his troops, and he went and looked over his troops, and they were there on the battlefield. And he walked up to a barricade and began to look over that barricade. And one of his officers said, General, when you get that close to the barricade, you'd probably want to duck down a little bit just in case. And the general said, I oh, don't worry about it. He said, from that distance, the enemy couldn't hit an elephant 
And as soon as he got that word out of his mouth, a bullet went into his head and he dropped down dead. That's what happens to you and I whenever we don't walk circumspectly, get full of ourselves and pride and think, you know what, I can handle this thing on my own. Here's what I've learned about Christianity. It is a paradox. What I mean is if you want to win, you've got to lose yourself. If you want to be lifted up, you've got to be brought low. If you want honor, you must endure shame. If you want rest, you've got to bear his yoke. If you want to live, you must die to self. 2 Corinthians 12.10 said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're going to stand, you have to be willing to bow. Now, think about it with me. God has two thrones, one in heaven, one in your heart if you're saved. I found out that most Christians adore baby Jesus in a cradle. And they'll even put up with a bloody Jesus on the cross. But they despise a glorified Jesus on his throne. But tonight, if you and I hope to win in this thing, we've got to let him be on the throne. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the chapter, definitive chapter, that deals with spiritual warfare. In the close of the letter specifically, Paul gives us our assignment, our adornment, and he mentions our adversary. Here's what we're to do. We're called to stand, we're commanded to suit up, and then we're warned about spiritual wickedness in high places. We do not wrestle tonight with something that can be seen, but we, we battle with an enemy that is not seen. Now, from verse 10 through verse number 17, Paul is paralleling the Christian with a first century Roman soldier. If anybody knew what a Roman soldier would look like and be adorned in, it was the Apostle Paul. He'd spent his fair share of time around Roman soldiers. So he's able to give us this metaphor. There are six pieces of armor that are provided for the Christian. From head to toe, Christians are equipped to stand against the wiles of the devil. The only way to stand is to be girded in the whole armor of God. Now, picture it with me in your mind. There's a spiritual locker. Inside of the barracks of the Christian, there's a spiritual locker there. In that locker is every defensive and offensive weapon that that Christian will ever need to be victorious in this battle. So think about it. In that locker, picture it in your mind, in that locker is the whole armor of God. That's a good word, by the way, the whole armor of God. That means everything that you need, God provides. It is there in that locker. Hanging in that locker is the girdle of truth. Next to the girdle of truth hangs the breastplate of righteousness. There in that locker, there's an armored pair of shoes adorned with the gospel. In that locker, there's a shield of faith that shines. There's an impenetrable helmet of salvation. I like the visual of this leaning in the corner of that locker. There's a sharp, two-edged sword of the Spirit. Right outside of the barracks, the battle rages. The enemy is fierce. There are those who are falling on the battlefield. That Christian is on the inside. He's about to walk on the outside, but thank God he does not have to go unprepared. He does not have to go defenseless. He can go suited up in the whole armor of God. And here's the promise. If he will go forth in the whole armor of God, he will not have any trouble standing against the devil. But the phrase that began that verse in verse 11 is what God used to challenge my heart. Just two little words, but I, I want you to see it. And I think it teaches us the truth that if we don't first bow ourselves down, we'll never stand before our adversary. See what it says? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So here's what it's saying. You and I can stand. That's a good place to say amen. We can stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't have to be a victim. We don't have to fall. We don't have to be a casualty. We don't have to let him destroy our life. We can stand. But it is contingent on us humbling ourselves and openly admitting I need to put on what God has provided for me if I'm going to stand 
against the adversary. So picture that in your mind again. There's that barracks and there's that locker. That locker is filled with every piece of armor, all the weaponry that that Christian soldier needs. On the outside is an enemy that can destroy him if he's not well armored. Yet for some reason, that Christian soldier rises up, wraps himself in his own garment, adorns his own helmet, grabs his own sword, picks up his own shield, and steps out onto the battlefield. Now let me say, he will not last long if he goes out girded like that. I want to stop him and say, wait a minute. Right there, you just passed it, is the shield of faith. Right there is the helmet of salvation. Right there is the sword of the Spirit. There's nothing as quick and powerful as that. Right there is the kind of shoes you need to win the battle that are adorned with the gospel. You've got to wrap it all together with truth, and it's there in that locker. It wouldn't take long before he was slain. Now, verse 10, there's a command to be strong. But in verse 11, there's a condition. Put on the armor of God. I want you what I'm about to say. The battle you and I have with the world is a secondary battle to the battle we have with ourself. We're worried about the world and the devil when self is the primary enemy. It is a choice to put on. Armor in principle will not save you in battle. It will not protect you in battle just to have it in your locker. It is armor in action. You must put it on. Now, why would a soldier not put on his armor? I don't know. I don't know if the soldier is lazy. I don't know if he has a lack of discernment. I don't know if he has a misconception and thinks, well, I don't really need it. Maybe he overestimates himself and underestimates his adversary so he doesn't take the time to put on his armor. I don't know if he's like Peter who took one step on the sea and kind of got a little bit confident in Peter took his eyes off the Lord and began to sink, I don't know. But the armor that's there is suited for this battle. It was designed by the one who knows the adversary better than the adversary knows himself. It's provided freely. It is all there at his disposal. All the soldier has to do is put it on, and yet he refuses, consider to put it on. He is walking out into battle, not taking provision, not taking power, not taking promise. He's too confident in his own strength. He's too assured of his own ability. He's convinced of his own prowess and refuses to put on that which he already possesses. Now, you would think that with a battle like you and I face, we wouldn't have to challenge each other to put on the armor of God. You would think we would sleep in it and eat in it and live in it and work in it and walk in it. But the truth is, put on makes it an individual decision. Our orders are to stand but it all hinges on, will you put it on? Now let me say it again. I don't doubt it. The devil has slain thousands. But I think the record's going to show that pride has slain its ten thousands. Walking out to face an adversary has not been the downfall of so many Christians as much as walking out to face an adversary without the armor of God has been the downfall of many Christians. I think about the woman. She's looking in the mirror and she's getting older or whatever. And she's looking in the mirror and felt all bad about herself. She said, man, I'm getting fat. I'm getting wrinkly. My hair's getting gray. And she looked at her husband and said, I just wish you'd be sweet and say something, compliment me, say something. He goes, well, you're not having eye trouble. Yeah. It's probably not the way to do that. You might want to make a note of that. Probably not the right way to handle that situation. But the truth of it is, our biggest trouble is eye trouble. Not E-Y-E, -E, but eye trouble. You see what do you mean? I can handle this. I know what I'm doing. I got this. I can make it work out. 
All of that spells trouble. If we want to battle and not die in this thing, we cannot depend upon ourselves. Galatians 6.3 says, For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. That's why God trimmed Gideon's army. That's why God cut Samson's hair. That's why God allowed Peter to deny the Lord. That's why Paul had that thorn in the flesh. James 4.6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And it's a good day when you and I realize, I, we realize I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, but I can't do anything without Christ. That word bow means this, to bend the knee or body or incline the head as in reverence, submission, worship, recognition, or acknowledgement. In Bible terms, it is this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the Apostle Paul who prayed to have that thorn removed. But then he said, you know what? I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Bowing is admitting I am inferior. I am not as powerful. I have a need. It is saying, Jesus, I surrender. I decrease and you increase. Psalm 118 and verse 18 tells me it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Whole armor of God. You know what that means? No room for anything else. If you adorn the armor of God, you cannot adorn part of it. You have to wear it all. And you know why that's designed that way? Because if you wear it all, then that leaves nothing of you. It's not a, I'll take some of me and some of God kind of a thing. It is not Christ plus. It is not going to battle with Christ and our ability or all, our thoughts or our way. It is Jesus and only the Lord. I read an illustration. I like this. And it says that if we were numbers, we would be a zero. And Christ would be a numeral. Does that make sense to you? It didn't to me for a minute. I had to Google all that. But anyway, a zero has no value. B.R. Lakin used to say we're just an ought. That's a word, old country word. For, we're an ought with the rim knocked off of it. Nothing. Or zero. You know what? You add zero to anything, you know what it does? It decreases its value. If you add a zero to anything, it takes value away from it. If you put a zero before whatever it is. If you put a zero in front of, name it, it takes value away. You have a plan, you put yourself in front of your plan, it takes value away. You think you're going to make it work out, you put yourself in front of whatever, it takes value away. But you take a numeral and then put the numeral in front of the zero, it adds value to the zero. You put a numeral in front of 120 zeros praying in an upper room, and you get Pentecost. You take a numeral and put it into three zeros in a fiery furnace, and you get deliverance. I'm not good at math, but I think that's pretty good preaching. And I'm hoping you're dumb at math too and just agree with me on that. I mean, you take, you take a numeral and put it in front of a zero and say, build me a big boat. Never seen rain, had never flooded before. But that zero gets to build with that numeral in front. He follows the numeral, and it adds value to that boat builder, that zero over there. You take a little shepherd boy, you take a zero, the smallest son of Jesse, just a zero, and he's been called a zero. He's looked down upon, but then you put a numeral in front of him. You put the Lord in front, you put the zero behind. It adds value there to that zero. Think about it. That numeral adds worth to whatever it is. And you and I, whenever we try to charge out on the battlefield and say, Jesus, get my back, 
you're just you're not adding any value at all. That's not going to be effective whatsoever. But you let the Lord take the lead, and you humble yourself, and you bow the knee to the Lord, and say, God, I'm not sufficient, and I can't do this, and I don't know it all. I, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. You go before me into battle. I tell you what it does. It adds some power, some value to that zero that you and I are. It is a good day when you understand that you're not enough, and I'm not enough. My weakness is just so weak, and his strength is so sufficient. Why not lean on the Lord? I'd have put on the armor of God. It's hanging there every day I wake up. I'd have said, you know what? I refuse to go out today without that helmet. I need that helmet. I'm not going out today without that shield. I need that shield. He said, I don't have time for that. You better make time for that. I need the sword of the Spirit. You can't just pick two or three. You need every bit of the armor of God to stand in this battle. More folks fall because of self-sufficiency than because of Satan. Because they lean on an arm of flesh and it fails every single time. I'm going to pray. The altar will be open. Just two words. Put on. I want to ask you, what are you wearing today? Spiritually, what are you wrapped up in? What are you adorned in? Are you wearing the armor of God? Are you making a conscious effort to put it on? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.